Hi everyone, this is Tracy Garner, your resident author, and I just want to tell you right now, if you are struggling, that there is hope. I need you not to make a permanent decision for a temporary problem. You can overcome this and anything that you want. All you have to do is decide to move to the next day and continue to believe that things will get better no matter what. One of the things that I always do is when I see myself focusing on myself and all that is going wrong, I take out a sheet of paper and I write a list about everything that is going right. I also might call someone, get around friends, make positive affirmations, writing them down on that same sheet or a piece of paper that lists everything that's going right. And you will see that you have so much to be thankful for. There is so much time ahead of you. This is not the end of your story and you can have victory. And I believe in you. I'm believing for you. And I want you to Just know that you are not the only one having the same situation. And sometimes you need to share what you're going through with others and also talk through problems with people that love you because they are out there and people that support you 100%. Never get up, give up on whatever is going on. Never get tired. Take rest when you need to. And always, always believe and have hope for a better and brighter future. And that can happen at any moment. But you got to be around to see it. And you got to know and anticipate that it's coming. Do you need encouragement to turn tragedies into your own triumphant life story? If so, this podcast is for you. Listen to powerful guests who have persevered through challenges so you can gain strength to build your championship life. The host of Professor of Perseverance Podcast, Dr. James Perdue. Hey, 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 come on in again. Hey, it's time for us to get some motivation and inspiration. Let's get fired up and get some encouragement and give out to other people. So let people know that when life comes around, throws the old curveball to us, what do we do? We don't panic. We do the best we can and try to have the best life as possible. may not be a perfect life, but only one person I've ever read about has had a perfect life. And so I don't, I know I'm not going to be in on it. All right. So just do the best we can move on and then give help to the next person you meet. Pass it on, pay it forward. All right. Today's guest, hey, written nearly 20 books. She's disabled. Disability. She has a, a muscular dystrophy contracted at the age of, they found out at the age of two. And so we're going to discuss how she has come through life uh, from there. So welcome to the show. Let me push this one button right here. Tracy Garner. Hello. Hello, Professor. Thank you so much for having me. No, no. Thank you for coming in and thank you for reaching out to find me and, and get get kick me on the butt, get me started again here. I've been <laughs> been been hiding a little bit here lately, gotcha. and so I'm glad I'm glad you reached out and to get to get us going here. And well, I'm looking forward to your story and, and going from there. I mean, because again, uh, I had my injury when I was 19, which is a lot different than two years old when you found out what you had. Mm-hmm. And so 
this is going to be fun uh, learning how maybe uh, children treat you in school growing up and maybe the world and going from there. So what I'm going to do, Tracy, is shut up and give you the platform and have at it. Sure, sure. I want to thank you again for having me. And um, my name is Tracy Lydia Garner. As you mentioned, I have muscular dystrophy and I was diagnosed at age two. Um, And you know what really made the difference before I um, get into all that? What really made the difference was network and support and, and just finding people who really supported me and didn't let me self wallow in my diagnosis. And I mean, come on at two years old, what do I really know? Yeah, so I think that leave the, um, leave the plane in the mud for the pigs on the self pity. Yes, definitely. I, it was really all I ever knew was just getting around kind of limping, holding onto the wall. Um, when I was coming up, I actually walked until I was about 10 years old and then uh, muscular dystrophy makes your muscles progressively weaker over time. So I ended up using, uh, I've always used a wheelchair even in, um, as like four and five years old, but um, I was actually walking till I was 10. And then um, I had to use a wheelchair all the time um, to get around. And, um, and honestly, you know, I used to treat being in a wheelchair like a little game. I hated pushing myself. My dad wanted me to have a push and a manual wheelchair when I first started. And while I was at school, little did he know that I was paying my friends in candy <laughs> to push me around. I'd be like, hey, you want some push pops? You want some Smarties? There you know, cups? And they would be like, okay. I was like, yeah, just push me to class, okay? I'm like, you know, so I was just always been an entrepreneurial even then until I got caught by my teachers like, you can't be soliciting and selling stuff on school. I'm like, I'm not selling. I'm just using it to call in favors. Yeah, that's right. Um, I'm not selling. Hey, teach, yeah. you want to push me to the next class? Mm-hmm. So <laughs> um, that just became, you know, a mantra for my life was kind of like this barter, this give and take of, uh, you know, help me. And these are, these may be my limitations, but I'm going to find a way to solve them and to remedy um, me being late for class and, and doing the things that I need to do. And so, Always did that all throughout school, all throughout college, high school, even my first internships. People found out I could write. I would write their KSAs and help them get their next grade level in the federal government. And I just always I said, you know, I may not be able to use a copier or, you know, reach that shelf, but I can write something for you and help you get to the next level. So I just always kind of used what was in me to help me and to win friends and influence mm-hmm. others. There you go. I think it's uh, in that a title of a book. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, not one of your books though, is it? No, no, not mine. Somebody else's. Okay. Yeah. But we're going to, we're going to talk about some of your books here in a little bit uh, though. And uh, I, I'm very uh, motivated here that uh, knowing you've written nearly 20 books. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I'm, I'm a firm believer. I've said this before that everyone should write at least the uh, memoir I of themselves. That too. You know, yeah. that that way when you're dead and gone, your great, 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 great grandkids will know what grandpa was like, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and how how they got that part of the DNA from there. You know, right, uh, right. my mom's grandmother would be a great grand no, her great grandmother, so it'd be a double grandmother. She was left handed. Mm. It skipped all them generations, but my brother and I are both left handed. Wow, and so we got it from neat. Della uh, back dug in double past uh, mm-hmm. great grandmother there. So, yeah, but that, yeah, I believe everybody should should write at least a memoir. 
Definitely. I think, and writing is so cathartic. I mean, writing is really what saved me from, you know, loneliness and mental health issues and feeling depressed. You know, I was in school when I was in college, uh, those first few years, I hated math. And when I couldn't understand what the teacher was saying, I often just kind of, you know, drifted into my mind and kind of within myself. And really, that's where started writing stories came from. Mm-hmm. So um, it was just it just made me feel better. It's its own kind of brain uh, healing, you know, function. And, and that's it's, another it's, reason why everybody should write it's, their it's own a, book. It's a great form of therapy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's free. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, there's maybe something you don't want to open up and tell people out loud, but maybe something you can put on paper just mm-hmm. for you to express it. And even if you're the one who ever reads it, no one else, just getting yep. it out, mm-hmm. getting out like talking. It's a yeah, great form of therapy. Yeah, definitely. I actually think that's why there's a lot of um, children, you know, in today's society with so much pent up uh, frustration. And I really feel it's from really a lack of communication and knowing how to communicate those feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that's a whole nother podcast show, but yes. just reaching for violence instead of reaching for a pen and paper to kind of relieve themselves of some of the things that ail them. So people really should look to writing more as a uh, medical, even a, a psychological type of tool to um, express yourself. Yes. And uh, and let's go back a little bit here. You talked about your great supporting group you had to help you as you were growing up and stuff. And I, I, I'm definitely a firm believer you got to have a great supporting cast. I mean, because go look at it. You're not going to win the Super Bowl or the World Series mm-hmm. or whatever they call it in hockey and everybody's soccer and everything if you don't support and help each other. Now, right. you don't have to like the people, mm-hmm. but the main thing is you respect each other right. and and work on your weaknesses and help them with theirs and, 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 and pot and they take the positive great stuff mm-hmm. to enhance, enhance with. So yeah, I'm a big believer on the support system. Right. Definitely. Support system has been so uh, wonderful me to me, my brother and my mother and dad. And uh, my dad was also a pastor uh, before he passed away in 2011. And I think just his faith and seeing him preaching every day for over 30 years since I was a child, before I even got here, he was an ordained minister. And so both the family and the faith, you know, that goes, those words go hand in hand often, but um, the support network is so important. And in my book, I talk about, you know, that people don't have to be related to you to support you. There Mm -hmm. are people who can be surrogates for you and to help you on the journey. They have to have no blood relation. If you find a friend or you find a counselor at school or a teacher, you know, or a mentor or some distant cousin um, or older brother in another family or sister, you know, it really does not matter. Sometimes when people don't have an organic and biological family, you really need to seek out others and kind of create that family for yourself. And so, you know, you should never be without a support system because they're going to really encourage you when the going gets tough and they're going to have other resources and tools and ideas to really help you. You know, when we get alone by ourselves, sometimes we, we run out of ideas or we are so stressed out, we can't think more deeply in order to solve our own problems. And that's when the network can come in and say, oh, have you thought about this? 
or I just talked to so-and-so and they said um, this could work. And so I just think I love the ideas that come when I go to my mom and I say, you know, I can't really figure out how to do something. And I mean, within like five minutes, she's like, oh, you could try this. And I'm like, what? Like, I just, you just so bogged down in your own situation that, you know, you really need ideas and energy of others to help you solve today's life problems. Well, we only know what we know. Right, right. And so, which is not not saying it's a bad thing, but if it mm-hmm. helps you, like you said, along the way. But if you ever get stumped, yeah, reach out. Don't be afraid to find yeah, and ask and, and and get somebody else's opinion to mm-hmm. help out. Yeah. Reach out and other people have lived experiences that you don't have. Mm-hmm. Other people have knowledge and skills that you don't have. And so, you know, when you really collect um, a really diverse group of people. It's like, you know, when I see, when I watch Family Feud with my mom sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, I'm like always get an old person and a young person for a final, that final round where you win $20,000. Like always don't get two young people up there. Yeah, no, nothing between them. Get you an old, get the mother and then get the, you know, maybe the youngest daughter or something because mm-hmm. everybody's going to bring a different thing. And I'm just like, when you get two young people up there or even even when you get too old people, I would, I would beg that even too old people could win. But they're just the knowledge just is they're going to ask you a question that's going to be like probably before you were born, if you're the young person answering the questions. And so you need everybody. You really do. And you need that breath and that longevity of an older person, an elder, often we call it. But somebody who really has some, has some lived experience and has some good ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, one example I can think of is the first time I traveled out of the country and I contact a friend of mine that I'm, he's in a wheelchair and I know he's traveled quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, what should I ask or do? And he talked about calling your wheelchair uh, to be a gate. I forgot what the term to use now, mm-hmm. but so the, which means you at the gate. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And instead mm-hmm. of you having to sit and wait for it, it's already going to be there. And That's then right. one of the other benefits I never thought of, and you would think you would think of, he says, and take you extra uh, tubes for your wheelchair. Mm-hmm. Because if you have a blowout, there's no one going to have a store there for you to buy tubes. And right. sure right. enough, I got a flat tire in Paris mm-hmm. and we had to change it. But if I wouldn't wow. have brought that, from his advice, I would have been riding on one good tire and one lumpy for the next week and a half. Yes. And that would have been so miserable and really hard for you to push yeah, and, and or so, someone else to even help you um, push. Yeah, so a great example, you said, you know, don't be afraid to ask for a support and mm-hmm. other areas that, because I didn't know. And right. I'm glad I reached out to him. Yeah. So there's a little example. Definitely. And there's so many examples about that. Look at veterans. You know, when veterans come home and they get injured, they're around other veterans that have already either progressed when they're diagnosed or when their injury occurred. And so they can really tell you, here's what you need. Here's what the family needs. Here's where the adaptive vehicle is. Mm -hmm. You can start driving and really live your life. And here's where you're going to be. And now you need mental health support. And here's what to go for that. Um, And that's kind of what my book on disability is. It's like its own little pocket reference um, where I'm talking about nine chapters uh, throughout the book on transportation and employment and caregiving and all the things. um, And I hope there'll be several volumes. This is only volume one. That I'm is this the uh, guide you're talking about? It is. It is called Disability, an Anecdotal Field Guide for the Rest of Us. 
So it's just very layman's terms, very easy to understand. Like, what did Tracy do to combat, you know, discrimination in the workplace and what she was going through when it was hard to find a job? And, you know, what worked for me as far as uh, growing up and going to college? And so that's kind of what I'm talking about in, in my book to help people um, navigate those issues and come out successfully. And I'm glad you wrote that guy too, to, uh, to help out people. Again, first time someone's injured, this would be a good little present for them to go and say, oh, I never thought of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Absolutely. another example here, uh, with, when you mentioned about the driving and stuff, when I first had my injury, it was mm-hmm. time for my driver's license to come through. And mm-hmm. I wouldn't, I couldn't get in and out of the car by myself then. Mm-hmm. And my mom says, well, you want to, let's go uh, get them renewed. I said, why? I'll never drive again. Right, and right. Uh, so I let them expire. Then I got to where I was better and got to driving and I had to go take the test all over again. So I would definitely (laughs) recommend anybody first time out hurting, you know, anybody uh, or or, uh, from birth, you know, from right. If you get your driver's license, keep them current just in case. Yeah, that's right. And uh, when I was driving, I actually had to learn how to use um, some pretty extensive and complicated uh, hand controls. And I cried every day going out with my uh, rehabilitation counselor. Mm -hmm. Um, After he left, I would bawl my eyes out because I just thought that this was something I would never realize. And, you know, when I got around others and I really, you know, just just took a breath and took my confidence, but that's, he was also part of the network. His name was Chris and Chris just kept encouraging me. He could have been like, you're right. I'm tired of you jerking me around in this car and not learning how to drive properly. I don't think you're going to make it. But he told me at the end, he's like, I wouldn't let you give up because I know you could do it. And so I just really had to center myself. I'm driving with my hand. Your hand can get shaky. Um, And also what I talk about in my book, it's just the sheer responsibility of, you know, if you total this machine, you know, you have wasted like, you know, whatever it is, 50, my car is almost $80,000. You have wasted this money and this opportunity, and you're probably not going to be able to get a second opportunity. I don't know anybody or any tree that's, you know, sitting around with several thousand dollars for you to have a second go. But, um, and so it's really a mental thing that you also need to evaluate are you really ready? Because the other thing is that if you are in an accident and you're already disabled, you could have a brain injury. You could end up, you know, um, even worse than you already are. And so at mm-hmm. least, you know, people really don't take that into account about how much responsibility it is. And then people are not aware. My parents had no idea about the level of hand controls that are now available and how much technology oh, has progressed. Oh, amen to that. Uh, and so one day I, I, saw, I, saw them, yeah, one day mm-hmm. I saw some hand controls someone was using, I was going, good gracious, that's nothing what I drive with. It's and amazing. Yes, it is. I, just about anybody could drive now. Just about. Anybody. Even people who whose limbs and arms aren't strong. There's mm-hmm. zero resistance. Exactly. You know, people who even have um, some, you know, uh, jerky movements, some spasticity, mm-hmm. people with cerebral palsy, they're able to make it so that it's much harder to turn. So you're in every which way that you are jerking, the wheel is not also being turned. So it has a resistance um, on the controls so that you're not able to just, you know, totally um, end up in an accident. So people have no idea 
Um, and if I just sat around with my parents who didn't know, they want to encourage me, but they also want to tamper my um, expectations, not help making me get too excited. So when they saw it, they were like, oh my God, whoever knew this existed. And if you're not in certain worlds and certain circles, you would know. The only reason I knew that I got to drive is because one of my friends, which I thought it was really mean at the time, he drove by my house with him and his instructor, you know, showing me like, isn't this cool? Uh, there you and go. I got, I got so like, I was like, oh my God. And then he like drove away and I was like, I want to get in. I want to go. And so that, I know that that um, one instance really gave me a termination. It was almost like, I think God purposely brought him by to say, look, you can do this. Because if I hadn't uh, saw that with my own eyes, I probably wouldn't have been as motivated as I was. And it took me a really long time, almost seven years working with state vocational rehabilitation to get funding and to get approved for the vehicle. Because um, even the counselor I had was primitive in his thinking. He asked me about my disability. You know, he's like, are you going to, you know, are you concerned about your muscular dystrophy progressing? You know, maybe you shouldn't drive. And I was just like, "Uh uh-uh. Every time he denied me, I did the appeals process because I was just so convicted. And it got hard. That sixth and seventh denial was really hard. But he moved on. He retired. Or I don't know what he did. You know, he could go take a skip and a jump, you know, (laughs) um, in the street. But my point is that I got a new counselor. And when he put it through, I got approved. Either they were exhausted from me coming there asking them every single time they denied me or, you know, it was just time. It was just time. And, you know, it was kind of like they were like silently asking you, are you sure you're ready to, to do this? Because it's mm-hmm. a larger responsibility than people think. Uh, the, yeah. There's uh, other people I've talked with vocational and it seems like sometimes when they're going, no, 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 it seems like they feel like they're spending their own money right. instead of public tax funding money that's supposed to be for us to have Mm -hmm. a better life than what it could be. And yeah, they feel like it's there coming out of their own pocket. Mm -hmm. So, all right. Now, so let's, let's uh, jump back a little bit here. When you uh, was going to school Mm -hmm. and walking some and wheelchair some, Mm -hmm. how did the kids first started treating you? Uh, Unaware, not sure. All of a sudden you got a girlfriend right off the bat. (laughs) trying to help you. I mean, right. maybe a boyfriend, you know, just a boy. Yeah, definitely. To. So, um, um, yeah. So, you know, I had the kids at the beginning. Yeah. You know, the kids especially with really, the wheelchair and, and maybe you're stumbling. They yeah. weren't too bad. Um, I would say that sometimes I know when I was younger, I think I became the bully first so that people couldn't get me. So I had like a t- tough exterior that sometimes mm-hmm. went overkill. And I was kind of mean to the people that were kind of like low on the totem pole, but people didn't mess with me too much. Um, I think that I just had a strong personality. Um, I talked directly to people and I really spoke up for myself. And I think that I've been kind of a silent advocate um, for myself and other people with disabilities since I was in elementary school. Um, And so I didn't feel a lot of bullying. I felt it more as I got to junior high and high school, especially um, junior high and high school. I uh, was telling someone once that I used to have a book at school and a book that I could keep home so I wouldn't have to carry it 
back and forth. Mm -hmm. And I remember these girls whispering about me saying, look at her, she doesn't have to carry any books. I don't know if they even thought that I was receiving special treatment or that I was so smart that I didn't need books. Mm -hmm. And it was like neither of those things. It was because of a physical condition. So before people, you know, really judge others, they're just making up their own story about you in their head. And that story is often erroneous and not true. And so um, I did feel that, but only as I got older, only as kids, you know, they seem to grow worse as they also get older and start coming into their own. But I was always pretty good about handling myself. I always had my mouth and my strong uh, words. I was always able to articulate, like, don't mess with me. I'm not the one, you know? And I just think that my, um, my stance and my position really helped me be direct and, um, you know, keep some of the bullies at bay. But make no mistake, people are bullied. Um, I would say it's getting a little bit easier now because I have seen really in latter generations, kids really trying to solve problems for people with disabilities through the technology, you know, coming up with um, 3D printing for a hand or other equipment. Oh, and yeah. tools. Especially at 3D, yes. Yes. They seem so much more ready to help and remedy the problem than they did when I was coming up, which is to point poke fun at and, you know, stigmatize and, and point you out. So I'm really happy that, um, I was also bust, so I didn't go to my neighborhood school. But now, you know, due to inclusion and the ADA, kids are being kept in their neighborhood school, which really helps them form better relationships. And I think meet the kids that are in their neighborhood that they see at the Target and they see at the other stores and Starbucks. I think that really makes a difference when you've grown up with it all the time. And that person, oh, that's just Johnny. He has autism or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. and so yeah. they're much more accepting in this time than they than they were when I was coming up. I, I agree with you. I, I taught school for about 13 years and taught seventh grade science. Mm -hmm. And one of the special education teachers that I got to talking and she went to see if she can bring her students, about eight or 10 of them, mm -hmm. uh, special needs. And they can come in my classroom, but they would only come in during experiments right. for science. They didn't mm -hmm. come in for the lecture or anything. And my first time I'm go I told her, yes, let's try it, see what happens. And the first time I'm worried, would these kids yeah, accept them. shunt them? Yeah, mm -hmm. accept them. Would mm -hmm. they be a bully afterwards? Right. I was so profoundly amazed mm -hmm. how they they were going, oh, is so-and-so going to be coming? I said, yeah, I'll, I'll work with her. Yeah, And yeah. then it was, yeah, and it, they, they knew. Of course, they'd be mm -hmm. growing, growing, going to kindergarten with them. Right. And they, and oh, I was so pleased that it worked the way it did. Yeah, and they excited watching the students get mm -hmm. in, take care of them. And right. help them. Yeah, yeah, it it was it was great and and it, and it made teaching a little easier because I would mm -hmm. had to teach them, you know, what the experience about and what we're looking for the outcome, and right. then they're teaching them. Mm -hmm. Definitely, and that's yeah. so important. We did a similar thing when I was in. It was either junior high or high school. I can't remember, but me and two of my friends who also had disabilities did like these little presentations in the school where kids um, got to ask us questions. We told them about our disability, how we came disabled. And one of my friends named John, he was always so humorous. And people, when you let people laugh and you help them or make them laugh by telling something funny, mm -hmm. um, 
it. You know, people were like, were you born in a wheelchair? And he was like, yeah. And it was hell on my mother. You know, it was like, and everybody just laughed like, wow, really? You were born in a wheelchair. Like you came out of the womb in a wheelchair. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. But just making that joke really eases people's, you know, feelings about like, I can relate with you. I can converse with you. After we did those presentations, I love that. I was like the most popular person in the world because there we reduced the stigma. We reduced that we're some anomaly that should be stared at and gawked at. We really invited them. They could ask anything they want. And that's all kids want. You know, they don't want to be shown like, don't ask her that. Don't say that. And it's like, no, let your kid um, have a conversation with me and realize that I'm a human being too and a person and don't shun them and, you know, make them not ask you things. If I can't answer it or I don't want to that day, that's different. I can say that. Oh, I don't really want to answer that. How do you go to the bathroom? You know, like, oh, well, okay, just like you, but just need a little bit more help. You know, Mm -hmm. like, why can't we just come up with answers you know, that help educate people instead of being like, no, don't ever ask that. Don't say anything to them. Don't even talk to them. And that's what a lot of parents um, of young children. Now, today, I see it, you know, people explaining. And I'm always so happy when a mother is like, why, you know, a child is like, why is she in a wheelchair? And the mother will just, some mothers that I've seen, um, especially now, today, uh, will say, you know, well, that's something, a piece of equipment that she uses to get around, you know, instead of like, I don't know why she, you know, don't talk to her. Come on, let's go. You know, it's kind of just running away from us. It really help, hurts um, our feeling, hurts my feelings, you know, specifically when you just shun your child and make them just come away like, you know, you just saw a monster or something. And so well, trying to engage and have a conversation. When the kids, they're curious. And they want to know. Mm-hmm. And I, I had a similar experience here one time. was in the store, and I was pushing my wheelchair. And all of a sudden, I went to go reach back to grab the wheel. And I mm-hmm. felt something on my hand. And there was a little girl with her hand on my wheel mm-hmm. pushing with me. Oh, and I said, hey, so honey, how you doing? Me. Yeah, she yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, her mother saw it. She grabbed that girl. She bounced her into that buggy <laughs> to sit. And she says, she'll, she won't bother you again. Right. I said, you got that right, ma'am. I said, because the way you're acting, she thinks I'm an evil person. Yeah. And she won't talk to nobody mm-hmm. that's disabled because the way you're acting. I know. I said, she's just curious. She wants to learn and know. Right, And, right. Said, and she'll be like you're acting, And she'll be like, I can't talk to people with disabilities. It'll be like this recurring trauma. Exactly. my mother told me to run when you see one, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I got sad. I got a little upset with Mama. Yeah, uh, saying, yeah. I said she, you, I said you're right. She won't uh, interrupt. She'll mm-hmm. think that we're the worst things ever right. because of the way you're acting. Mm-hmm. And so, totally. uh, yeah. All right, now, so uh, let's get through you. Uh, get through uh, uh, school and and college. Mm-hmm. And what I mean, you said you you were a good writer and everything. So right. I mean, what all of a sudden you says, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna write a book. Right, right. And then like, nearly nearly 20 books later, yeah. you know, you've just been compounding on it. But what, what right. made you go, you know, I think I'm going to write a book. Well, actually, back to my math class that I was failing miserably, math mm-hmm. for liberal arts, which is supposedly for people, creative types like me, which is a big lie and not the truth. And um, it was so hard. I failed, I think, 
twice. Um, and I took it again and I was writing a story in math class every day. That was my story time. I, you know, it looked like I was doing something, maybe figuring out some problem, but little did the professor know I wasn't paying attention to anything he or she was saying. There you go. Um, when I got home one day, I was just crying, really depressed that school uh, might not work out for me. I might not graduate. I was really scared. I was depressed. I was crying. All of a sudden I started surfing on the internet and I saw um, something about, you know, do you have what it takes to write a book? Uh, you know, enter our contest was being hosted by a large publishing house. And um, I just entered like my tears like dried up. I was like, oh my God, this is like, for me, this is my ticket to like out of math for liberal arts. You know, I couldn't think any bigger than that. I just wanted mm -hmm. to get out of that class. So I entered the contest and I got a trip to New York and a, an oh, wow. advance, a monetary advance and a publication of the book. And um, that just, you know, changed my life. It gave me validation. They paid for me and my parents to come and accept an award at an awards luncheon. Um, oh, and wow. I was also... Okay. They published the book, the first, very first book. And then I went on to submit two more books and got another book contract um, with them for two more stories. And so I just kind of kept writing. That was the validation that I needed to say, you know what, you're good at something, maybe not math or liberal arts, but you sure can write. And so I think that um, I'm just so thankful. I tell all interviewees, you know, about the contest and about how much it was wonderful to me and how much it changed my life. And it really is what changed. Uh, I even, you know, when I got back from New York and I was writing, um, my grades started to improve. It was like I had validation in one area of my life. Yeah, lift your confidence. Yes, confidence and started to bleed into other areas. Mm -hmm. I started getting A's and B's and was finally able to finish at the community college I was going to at the time, and then went on to a four-year school and graduated from there. But even through all of that, I always had my writing to fall back on. I always um, just kept writing, probably why it took me so long to get through school, because I always had a book out. I was, only, I was the only college student who had like a published book out. Um, and But I just remember even through college um, literature courses, even that seemed hard. It seemed like even the teacher was like out to get me. Uh, of mm -hmm. course, that's not true. But um, just winning the contest was the single most impactful thing um, that happened to me and helped me, you know, hone my skill. I when I saw that contest announcement, I started reading everything I could possibly could about you know how to structure a novel how to publish. Mm -hmm. um, I just learned everything about the business because I was convinced I was going to win. Before I won, I was actually, I felt like the conference, the contest really spoke to me. Yes, and yes. so, um, and I even dated the, the letter, the cover letter, because back then, you know, this is 21 years ago, we were still mailing manuscripts. Now we send oh, yes. them electronically. Yes. But I put the birth date on my letter saying, dear so-and-so enclosed is my story entry for the, you know, 20, 2001 uh, writers, first time writers contest. Mm -hmm. And I remember like laying hands on the manuscript, put it in the envelope and like kissed it and like prayed over it. Like uh -huh. I'm going to win. And so it just, it happened. And um, it was, it was so wonderful. That's awesome. Uh, but people like me now don't, uh, for the people that <laughs> want to write your books, there's a lot of great stuff publishing out there. Mm -hmm. And that's what I had to do. Mm -hmm. Trust me, they won't pay me to do it. So, <laughs> but you're, you were blessed in that area. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but, but I'm telling people, write your book, 
your memoir anyway. Somebody's going to read it and they're going to enjoy it and you're going to help them. And here's a great, my one example here is um, twice I, when I wrote my first book and just how I got in a wheelchair mm -hmm. and stuff I did to overcome adversity. And two people came to me and they're about a year apart. Mm -hmm. And both of them said you read my book and I'm going, wow. oh yeah, right, sure you did. I said, <laughs> and then uh, uh, they say, I said, if you don't mind, how did you get the book? Someone referred to you where mm -hmm. you type it in motivation or inspiration books and it popped up. Did you find it laying in a trash can or a gutter? <laughs> and, uh, and here's where both of them validated that I need to keep writing mm -hmm. because we, we never know who we're going to touch in life. That's right. I mean, we don't know everybody. We're going to find a few in our life. But we won't know everybody, mm -hmm. but a year apart, both of them told me I was locked up in the County jail. Wow. And my book, is in the county jail library. <laughs> and they that's read it amazing. then. That and is so great. Yeah. So that's after that, after that, those two people again, and that's about a year apart. Mm -hmm. And I was going, well, maybe I need to continue writing in though I'm not really a true writer. Yeah. But maybe the positive stuff I'm putting in there is helping people. Definitely. So, and there, yeah. you know, and people who um, you know, read and they get so much encouragement and new ideas. Um, so never stop writing. Of course, I want to write, you know, at least 100 books. I'm going to be happy if I get to 50. But, you know, I just want to keep going. Um, I live vicariously through my fiction characters. And then for the self-help and inspirational stuff, I just want to tell people and share this is how step by step I overcame whatever it was. Graduating from school eventually, um, you know, driving eventually. Um, and just the persistence and the perseverance that is going to take that same person reading the book in order to reach this goal and what people need to have in their life in, in order to make it. I think you're doing amazing. Thank you. I'm pleased that uh, we've met here and uh, we're about down to our time, but you've given a lot of insight and there's a lot more we could pick up uh, and get from here. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe we'll do a part two, sure. like one of your books one day. We'll and that. so we'll, yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, maybe we'll do a part two here in a couple of months. Maybe so, we um, can read one. We should read a romance for Valentine's Day. How about that? <laughs> uh, I won't say no to it. Okay. <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll put it on the burner and see what happens <laughs> and go from there. So, all right, uh, Tracy, we, you've been, you've been a blessing here for, for people to, again, not give up. The, know what the circumstances are, know what some of the outcomes are going to be. And then you push yourself again, like I said, to drive, went through school. You got through your community college. It took me, uh, it took me, took me eight years to get through my two year school. About so, that. Mm -hmm. So, so I mean, it doesn't so matter when, when you make it, so long as you make it. That's right. It is right. Remember you just that. have to finish the race. It doesn't matter how long it takes yep. to, to do it. So, all right, Trace, hey, thank you again. And if you want to, go ahead and give us your website uh, where people find your books and sure. any social media. Uh, I know mm -hmm. you also go out and you do speaking, uh, mm -hmm. consultations. I know you said you've been um, a counselor with people. And so, Book go ahead and mention what, what all you need to do. Yes. Yes. So people can see I'm on TracyGarner.com. That's my website. They can use the contact me page on my website if they ever want to chat with me. I'm on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook as my name and also at T Garner for Instagram and um, and 
Twitter. Um, and then, you know, just, just hit me up, um, visit my website. Um, I do book coaching to help people finish their own books to both write them and, you know, help them outline it and get it done and written. And then also to publish it with the self publishing through Amazon. Or if you want to get book deal, I'll tell you how to do that too. Hey, so, uh, let me hold on to you before we leave and talk about one with me. So mm-hmm. see what I need to do about possibly my next book. Uh, one of my, uh, I've already got a title. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's uh, sometimes we have to walk through the fertilizer to get to the roses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So and go from there. Just talk about all the hard times and how people overcome. So um, yeah, that that's also we'll take the information also and put in the show notes, make it a little easier for people to find sure. it, looking yeah. on it, but uh, listening uh, from there. So wow, you're amazing. <laughs> Thank you. I'm, you I'm, I'm glad that your uh, support system is the way it is, mm-hmm. and uh, glad that uh, um, yeah that you've been able to blossom and uncork the genie within the bottle yes. and let the world see it. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate you do, uh, doing that. So, all right. Uh, and I'm going to get a copy of your, uh, the guide that we just mentioned here. Sure. And I'm, I'm give me a copy of that one. And so we'll go from anywhere. I can learn some more stuff as well. So. We all can never stop learning. There you go. Everybody else. Hey, be sure to share us out. You know, someone needs some inspiration, some hope, some encouragement, and so share us out for uh, Tracy and uh, go ahead and get you a book. She's got nearly 20 of them. And uh, <laughs> you might you may want to get part one, part two and part three, uh, get a series going. So. All right. Thank you, everybody, for being here. I'm Dr. James Purdue, the professor of perseverance. Do something today, tomorrow, something next week that's going to help you persevere past your paralysis. Thanks for listening to the Professor of Perseverance podcast for motivation, inspiration, and encouragement. For more information, go to Facebook at Professor of Perseverance. Visit the website at professorofperseverance.com and view the YouTube channel, Dr. James Perdue, Professor of Perseverance.